Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre-recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. Good morning. Welcome. I'd like to move into a class. Before we do that, I'm going to lay out the theme of the class, build the case why this is important to pay attention to this particular part of your body, which is your throat. And that's what we'll focus on this morning through our practice. And so this conversation is about communication, reactive communication versus intentional communication, two very different experiences and two very different destinations we lead ourselves to. And so I invite you into the conversation. So potentially you can see yourself in this conversation. And if you see yourself in this conversation, it gives you an opportunity to get an insight. Maybe even learn something about yourself. Identify an issue, a problem in your life that you then have the opportunity to solve. And that would be good for you. And it would certainly be good for your relationships overall. And then you could say for your life in its totality. You could easily say that, that you solve one problem, your entire life changes. And isn't that amazing? And you have to be attentive to solving your problems. And that's one of the things I appreciate about yoga, it's solving problems one pose after another. You can see every pose is a problem you're attempting to solve. To build yourself into a shape and to hold yourself there with all the complications playing out all at once. So I'm gonna lay out some distinctions around reactive communication. This is a very common way of communication. Even some of you already said, oh yeah, that's me. And it is, it is you. Not you in its entirety, but certainly a part of you and a practice you have. And so reactive communication, a style of communication designed to protect against harm. You're going to hurt me, and I know it. And that's the stance that we can have, a protective stance. It's a very common stance to protect. You're against me. That's the message. You're going to hurt me. And I don't trust you. And isn't it strange we can have that relationship with strangers, but we can have that with the closest people in our lives. You're a wonderful person, and then all of a sudden you're not. How strange that is. How we can change our perspective in a moment's notice. That you're a safe person to be with, and now you're no longer safe. And have to protect. That's the tendency in arguments. I can imagine some of you like to battle. Ooh, spicy bunch in this room. I imagine you do every once in a while. It's one way that we attempt to eliminate the threat. Reactive communication. You're a threat and I have to minimize you as quickly as possible. So you're no longer a threat. And there's many ways in which we can do that. In the midst of the interaction will be tremendous temptation to oppress, deceive, and dominate. I have to be bigger than you. And so I can minimize you, make you smaller so you're less of a threat. The intent is not to negotiate, but rather to undermine someone's position. I don't care what you have to say. Just shut up. That can be a stiff message to send somebody. We do that sometimes. 
I'm not interested. <laughs> what I'm interested in and committed to is making sure that I minimize you. And so I'm not even listening to you. And what's fascinating about that, if we listen, understand somebody's position, that's how we'll start to feel safe. But we don't in these moments. No, thank you. Not interested. So the attempt is to weaken them into submission where they feel ashamed, unsafe, and alone. You ever felt that before? Of course. And if you break this communication style down and start to pay attention to the results you get and how you box people in to a corner and ultimately how they're left feeling as a consequence of your efforts to minimize. If you really feel into that, perhaps you'll stop doing it. It submerges people into places they don't want to be, where they're terrified and terrorized. And that's easy to do to somebody. Very simple. We already are that. We're terrified to be in this world and around other people. Tyrannical communication designed to defeat. Mm, I must win <laughs> at all costs. Even if I have to end this relationship, I will. Never will I lose. That's often the position in arguments. No bloody way am I going to lose. So communication is weaponized and used as a tool of retribution. And what's so fascinating is that focus is not just aimed at that person. It is, but it's an entire life aimed at that person. That's why it's so powerful. It's retribution towards every time we've been wronged in our life. And it is a pummeling force that somebody has to be with. It's our entire life. It's not just one thing. Crying over spilt milk. It is not that. It's all the times we've been harmed and hurt and felt unsafe and off-put. That's what we're aiming at somebody. And if you've ever been in a, that kind of heat, woof, it is crispy. And it's very difficult to even make sense of it because it doesn't. Because people barely know you. That's what's so fascinating. And you're throwing your entire life at them all at once. And the ways in which we can do that is through the extremes because we can often live our lives in extremes. That's the attempt. That's the balance. How do we balance ourselves in the extremes? Welcome to the practice of yoga. How do I balance myself so I can live in the extremes? How do I center myself so I'm not being so swayed all of the time? And so the extremes go something like this. Speak out to cut and dismantle. I'll just slice you up a bit. Maybe you're that. Or maybe the opposite. You go quiet to freeze and break. I'll freeze you out. I'll stop talking and ignore you until you just kind of fall apart. Maybe that takes five minutes. Maybe it takes I don't know, a couple days, a few months, 30 years, whatever it takes. And so I have a question for you. We do both. You do both. You'll sway from one extreme to the other. You know you do. But which one is more prevalent in your practice? Are you outspoken 
in the attempt to cut and dismantle, or you do, or do you go quiet to freeze and break? Which one do you do? You go quiet. Thank you. You too. Okay, quiet. What's that? Both. Yeah. Which one do you rely on more than the other? Mm -hmm. Oh, it always depends. <laughs> okay. Who else? Yes. So I go quiet with adults. Yep. But as a teacher, I won't let it get away. So I'm <laughs> the other one with the students. Okay, good. Yeah, that's great. So with adults, you go quiet. You as the teacher with kids, you're more outspoken. Very good. Yeah, and I like how you split that and see yourself in that way. Both are designed to win. I'll win. However long it takes me to win, I'll win. And you want to know this. You definitely want to know this because it's coming to you very soon. Very soon. You will be dealt a confrontation that will challenge you in some way. Maybe it's here. I don't know. Maybe it's with an insect. Maybe it was when you fly out of here. Something at the airport. I don't know, whatever. But you know it's coming to you. And the importance of you knowing your automatic tendency is important. So you can pause. And be less reactive in the pause, which takes tremendous discipline. Tremendous. And what do you think you're practicing on the mat? Discipline. To teach yourself to fall apart, but then also put yourself back together. And that's what's needed in this equation. My tendency is to go quiet. I learned that very young. And I adopted that. And I played that, played that out many, many times and reinforced that experience that I just go quiet. What I started to notice was I wasn't defining myself as an individual. There's no definition. Not only for me as the individual, because I wasn't communicating about anything meaningful. To myself but I was I was also doing the same in relationship so people didn't really know where I stood which is not a good idea and so the relationship is kind of blurry soft there's no structure and what happens in that is people don't trust I didn't trust myself to communicate felt I didn't have the skill set or the courage or the honesty to speak up in moments that were challenging and that's what was coming back. How could somebody trust me if I wasn't speaking into anything that mattered? And what I started to track and notice is how unsafe I felt in those experiences. I was attempting to pr protect myself, yet creating an unsafe experience for myself, no matter where I turned, whether I turned in or I turned out. And there was a lack of support, and I felt it. This is the pathway to being alone in these extremes, reactive communication, where you feel at some point ashamed of yourself for behaving this way. And you undermine trust and respect within your relationships by behaving this way. And people notice, and you know that. And if we're not careful, we can swing from one extreme to the next. And that's just how we communicate. There's no balance in the way in which we communicate, which should terrify you. 
And you know, who the hell would want to be around something like that? <laughs> a force that's so unpredictable. Nobody in their right mind, that's for sure. And so the idea is to adopt intentional communication, which offers you freedom from unnecessary suffering. So freedom from unnecessary suffering occurs through communication. That's where we can limit our suffering, where we can solve problems and heal through communication. Oof, and that is difficult. You have to constrain your tyrannical and dark impulses, manage your intent. That has to happen at the same time. Oh, my goodness. I want to tell you terrible things. Pull strips off you because I don't like you. I have to constrain this side and then manage my intent so I can get closer to you. That's a gut-wrenching experience. And in that, you have to have an intent. And what is your intent for communication? Best you have one. Because if you don't, one is already chosen for you. One that you don't want. One that you've been relying on and leveraging against for most of your life. And so what preconditions would have to be met for you to say what you need to say? You could say courage, number one. It takes a lot of courage to speak up. It's very dangerous to speak up. It's becoming that much more dangerous in this wild world we live in. So do not throw your words away because they don't come back to you. And it's easy to make things worse. And that's the tendency. Number two, you could say honesty. Speak with purpose and with the intent to make things better. You have to constrain the part of you that wants to mess things up and to create a bunch of trouble and chaos, all the while attempting to make things better. It's quite the practice. So align yourself properly so your intention, words, actions line up and your speech originates from the depths of you. That's the brilliance again of yoga. It's easy to practice from here, the head. Always wants to lead, doesn't it? (laughs) Way out in front. Pull back. Got to pull your head back. That's the attempt in practice. Pull your head back. Lead with something else. Belief system. Value structure. Very different. Belief system lives in your head. Your value structure lives way down low. That's the consideration. And that's where you have to originate your communication from. So it informs you. We can speak where there's no body. Nobody feels us because there's nothing there. It's not well thought out. It's just regurgitated nonsense that you've picked up along the way from other people, books, podcasts, all these kinds of things. And they're not even yours. That's the risk through communication especially if you're just a talking head. And so the ability to inform your body and get way in your value structure and inform your body so you're speaking to something that matters and people can feel you. And that's how you capture somebody's listening, that they can feel you. If they can feel you, they can trust you, which is a pillar of 
a meaningful relationship, one of trust. And so the focus of this class is your throat, front. Mm. Holding self back. Or we can hold ourselves back and not express love. No. We can constrain ourselves here. You don't get out. Body down there. Just be quiet. I've got this. Back of the throat. Separation from the higher self. Now, I think the higher self is down, not up. That's how I see it. You don't have to see it that way. But the higher self, where does the higher self, you, the higher self, live? My experience is it's down in your center, our center, not up, out. So in the practice of yoga, the idea is to move your energy into your center, your core, not up and out. And so this practice is designed to give you access to what matters to you the most. And to speak to those things as often as you can. Define them. So people understand you, feel you, perhaps even support you. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. We're going to move into a restorative practice. 60 minutes out in front of you. I'm going to share what I call the hierarchy of intimacy, something that uh, I've been working on for many years and is a piece of the methodology I use in terms of my teaching, not only my teaching, but my living. And uh, I've been grappling with this damn thing for years, <laughs> trying to make sense of it myself and to define it and to see if it actually is useful to focus in on what I've noticed that it is. It's been useful for me to focus in on this and how one steps into the next. And so you can visualize this as like a pyramid in some ways. And the base of the pyramid is vulnerability. And what I find intriguing and interesting about hierarchies is they have to be well-defined for them to work. Otherwise, they just don't work. They're just kind of there. And um, don't have the utility they could have and what I noticed working through this is uh, I've been challenged all the way through. <laughs> Attempting to define each step of this hierarchy. And I knew the concepts and I knew the practices around them, of course, because I adopted them. They were passed on to me, but that didn't mean they were mine. And so over the last many years, I've been attempting to make these concepts mine and defining them so they could be mine. And so this hierarchy starts with the vulnerability, which leads into authenticity, authenticity communication, communication supports connection, and connection can lead, not always, but into intimacy. And something it seems we're all striving for, some semblance of intimacy, and there's satisfaction that comes from that experience. And defining vulnerability, the baseline of the hierarchy has been very challenging. <laughs> And I think I've narrowed it down to something like the desire to be known. Something like that. Simple. Not so damn simple in practice. The desire to be known. Because what I've noticed is I don't really have that much of a desire to be known. And I've lived most of my life like that. I have no desire to be known. It was the opposite of that. It's like, don't know me. You stay over there and you're better over there. <laughs> and I'm better here. 
away from you. And so I wasn't actually practicing vulnerability. I was practice, practicing something other than that, which really didn't give me access to authenticity, which is truth. Truth seems to support authenticity and the ability to communicate in a truthful manner, in an honest manner, which is extraordinarily difficult for me. Still is it sometimes, and I think that's true for each of us. It's very difficult to be truthful and to communicate that way. <laughs> Communication is a hell of a challenge. <laughs> and of course, honest communication supports the kind of connection we want, the kind of relationships we want. But sometimes we don't choose that. We choose the opposite of that, being dishonest, which can unravel relationships. We've all been there. And so the ability to communicate in a truthful manner supports the kind of connections that we want, certainly within you, the individual, as well as the relationships you are fostering. And that truthful connection is where intimacy lives. Those beautiful moments. We can feel a sense of understanding, belonging, acceptance. That level of connection is a beautiful thing called intimacy, which is elusive. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? It's so damn elusive. It was there and then all of a sudden you're not. What happened? <laughs> I kind of like you. <laughs> and those amazing moments of satisfaction that come from those intimate moments that we seem to be continuously pursuing that are unbelievably elusive at times. And it seems to me that that's the draw of yoga in some ways that we're attempting to build out this experience for ourselves, this intimate experience. The attempt to be known, the attempt to get to know yourself so you can be known. I think that's one of the pulls, one of the draws of yoga. That's certainly been true for me and that's what I've noticed in many others along the way. And so I thought I'd share this hierarchy with you. I think it's interesting and intriguing and challenging, you know? And that's what's brilliant about it in its own way. That there's enough knowing about it, enough challenge to make it engaging and interesting. And it's definitely the pursuit of something that's uh, we all share. We all share. This great pursuit of being satisfied within relationships. And so that's what's out in front of you. This restorative practice. The ability to be vulnerable with yourself and allow this practice to teach you something about yourself so you can be known. That seems like a hell of a good idea. <laughs> and just out of curiosity, if you look at this hierarchy, the various different concepts, which one would you say has the most challenge for you? Where are you most challenged? That's an interesting question. Anybody? Say it again. Vulnerability. Vulnerability, yeah. It's a beast, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Communication. Communication. Thank you for that. Authenticity. Okay. Different answers out there. Very nice. Yeah. For a long time, I was challenged with vulnerability and so therefore had no access to intimacy. 
and start to notice how demented I was all the way through that. And my willingness to steal myself away and rob me from the experiences that were so meaningful. And certainly this crazy practice of yoga has supported the definition of these concepts and a much more robust practice, and I'm thankful for that.